Good morning. It's good to see familiar faces. And uh, listen, I've been excited to bring this message to you. This message has actually been in the works for several months now, um, just due to some circumstances, and obviously through God's divine providence with Micah being sick today, it just turned out that uh, I got to preach today. So um, we have a lot to cover, and this service is going to be a little bit different than probably what you're used to. If you came here um, just kind of expecting to sit and listen to the message, you might be surprised. I hope pleasantly surprised, but you might be surprised. This is going to be more of an interactive service. And I'll explain a little bit more as we, we get into it. But um, again, we have a lot of ground to cover. So I figure we'll just dive right in. But let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer just to prepare our hearts. Father, we are so grateful that you are our God, that you love us, that you have a plan and your plan is perfect. Father, I pray for the hearts here this morning that as we worship through the word, that you will be glorified. Father, I pray that the hearts will be stirred, that the attentions will be redirected to you and to you alone. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill each and every one of us, giving us the confidence and the courage to, to worship you as you truly deserve to be worshiped. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I pray, Father, for hearts to be stirred. Lord, I pray and I'm grateful for Micah's words and I follow suit that I will say nothing out of step with your word or your will, but that I will simply fade into the shadow of the cross, that you will be magnified, you will be glorified, and you will be the center of all attention. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recently I had a chance to kind of take a walk down memory lane so to speak. I, uh, I went back to my old stomping grounds. I grew up in Arizona. One of my best friends out there got married. And uh, it, was, it was unique. It was interesting to kind of go back and visit those old stomping grounds. Uh, you know, visit the, the old high school, the college, university campus. And we moved around a lot as a kid, but uh, we got to visit and you know, just go see the old homes that I used to you know, live in and Visit with friends and family that I haven't seen in years. I mean, there are a lot of feelings that get stirred up when you take that walk down memory lane. And, and you know, it's not surprising that companies like 23andMe, Ancestry.com, there's a reason why they're mega million dollar companies. It's because they feed on those feelings that we, we get when we take a glimpse into the past or we walk down memory lane. And some of those feelings, you know, like intrigue, um, intrigue certainly is one that, that gets stirred. And I read recently of uh, a story that they did some DNA testing on Adolf Hitler's male relatives. You know, here's a guy, it's probably history's one of the mo most famous maniacs, really, trying to create a purebred society, you know, eradicating the Jewish race. This guy himself was a mutt. This guy himself, and it's sadly ironic, but he had a history of Jewish lineage. There's intrigue. You know, it's also encouraging, though. I read some other stories where there were co-workers or neighbors that have lived together, that have interacted for months and months and months, only to find out they're related. And then, of course, we've all heard the stories or seen the stories where siblings that were separated at birth get reunited years later. So, so such heartwarming stories. And yet there are also heartbreaking stories. I read of one where the children who looked to the, who they thought was dad, only to find out that the mom had a secret marital affair that came to the surface and it tore the family apart. 
You see, that walk down memory lane, that glimpse into the past, it can be intriguing, it can be heartwarming, encouraging, but uh, it can also be heartbreaking. There is value to it and there is risk. In this morning, we are going to worship, we are going to take a walk down memory lane by worshiping through Psalm 136. However, this will not be a walk that is risky. It will not bring up heartbreaking scenarios. In fact, it'll be just the opposite. This worship is actually geared to stir our hearts, to be encouraging, to be affirming, and to turn our attention, our eyes, heavenward, back to God. Now, before we worship, though, um, it is very important that we get our arms wrapped around a few facts and a few truths regarding Psalm 136. And the first is this. It, it's, it's a psalm, but it was originally written as a song. It's uh, what I call a song for every season. It is the last of the great Hillel Psalms. And those are nothing more than just a series of psalms that were of highest praise to God, typically sung during the Passover feast. And, uh, and, and so we are going to actually be faithful to the Word of God by singing through this worship service. And again, I'll explain a little bit more. But the other things we have to understand is the psalmist divides Psalm 136 into five different divisions, but he focuses on two distinct themes. The first theme is what we call the hesed of God. It's a, it's a wonderful Hebrew word. It's very rich. It's a word that really isn't defined by a single definition, but the hesed of God, it's his, it's his covenant love. It's his steadfast mercies, his enduring kindness that's all rooted in the promises and the fidelity and in the very character and nature of God. And the second theme kind of goes in line with that. It's the proper biblical response of man to the hesed of God. Now, if you're turning to Psalm 136, which I encourage you to do, whether it's old-fashioned like me, or if you're younger or more technologically savvy, you'll probably have it on your phone. But if you turn to Psalm 136, the other things that we have to understand is it opens and closes with the phrase, give thanks. It's the, the Hebrew word, yada, and that word is translated as to cast or to throw. It's an image of of arms raised, of hands out, of casting a confession of gratitude. It's a, it's a throwing of thanksgiving to the one worthy of praise. And I acknowledge that that may be uncomfortable for some people. In fact, the first service, I, I saw some folks that, was, that were a little uncomfortable. But first, I would, I would encourage you. It is a biblical posture. It is a proper biblical posture of praise and thanksgiving to God. So what I would ask is if you're physically capable, real quick, kind of Simon says, raise your hand. Okay. All right. For the most part, we're all capable of raising our hands. So I will just suggest that uh, it'll probably be a little more awkward if you don't. Um, All right. But we're capable. So uh, this psalm is really about that casting of praise, that, that throwing of thanksgiving to God. But I also want to acknowledge there are probably some folks here that may be in a season of life where you just might find it a little difficult to muster up the energy to praise God that way. And, and no, I've been praying for you. If you are in that season, I've been praying for you specifically because I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will use the words of God, which I truly believe are alive and active, and it will lift your spirit. It will turn your attention back to the one who's worthy of praise, and it will fill you with hope and encouragement. But I also say that this is a fantastic church. 
This church is a loving body of believers, and I guarantee there are a lot of people that would enjoy and really walk with you through that season of life to, to encourage you. So just know that that's basically what we're doing, and, and I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for this service. But also understand that this song was written to be sung antiphonally. And what that means is, is uh, the leader would, would say the verse, and then congregationally in unison, we would all repeat the chorus. Now, um, just to ease some of the, the anxiety, we're not singing through this because I have a microphone on and you do not want to hear me sing. So it'll be a repetition of the chorus verbally. So I want to encourage you guys. The psalm in the psalmist is really directing our attention, 100% of our attention, heavenward, to God. It's not about looking around and seeing what other people are doing or wondering what other people are thinking. It's truly about inside looking to God, giving Him praise. Because we're going to see multiple perspectives and characteristics of God that really warrant His praise. So as we do, uh, like I said, there are five sections. We're going to worship through each of the sections individually. And I want you to have the freedom. If you feel encouraged to stand and raise your hands as we do, please do so. If you want to just sit there and raise your hands, please do so. And if you just need to contemplate because you're in that season of life, please do so. But either way, I'm going to ask that we participate. So as I read through these distinct divisions, I'm going to ask that we all, in biblical posture and fashion, we are raising our hands as we sing or repeat the chorus. So we'll get started. What the first thing we're going to see is we are going to give thanks to the ultimate God. I will read the verses and then all together, hands raised, let's repeat the chorus. The first starting in verse 1. Give thanks to God, the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Give thanks to the God of gods and the Lord of lords. These are great titles for God. And as I was preparing this, I kept thinking about that popular song you may have heard on the radio. It's by Phil Wickham and Sean Curran. It's titled A Thousand Names. And in it, they sing, I know you by a thousand names and you deserve every single one. And that is absolutely true. Our God is a God of many names. And he absolutely deserves every single one of them. But what's interesting is the psalmist uses three very specific titles for who he is that we're giving thanks. In fact, he uses the word Yahweh, Elohim, and Adonai. He is the Lord of Lords, the Adonai of Lords that expresses his ultimate authority. Our God rules over everything. And he is also the God of gods, the Elohim of gods. It expresses his ultimate sovereignty. He is the one that reigns over the entire universe. And then I love, of course, he is Yahweh. This expresses his very character. You take the names of God, the many names of God, Yahweh is the sum of all of them. In fact, you go back to Exodus with me, and uh, you're all familiar, I'm sure, with the story where God summons Moses. He's, he's asking Moses to go back to Egypt to stand in front of Pharaoh and demand that Pharaoh released the Israelites from captivity. 
And of course, and I don't blame him, Moses is in anxiety. He says, when I get there and they ask, who sent me, what do I tell them? And God, in his simple response, said, I am who I am. You tell them, I am has sent me to you. That's who we give thanks. We give thanks to Yahweh, the great I am. He is worthy of praise. It is the Yahweh, our God, the great I am, whose love is enduring, whose love is steadfast. It is to Yahweh, whose love is complete, it is perfect, and it is eternal. That's the God that we worship. And that's the God that we give praise. See, the psalmist points us to who God is, but now he's about ready to take us on a journey down memory lane. And so he's going to start showing us a few things of what God did that demands also all of this praise. And so we're going to continue to worship. And what we're going to find is God is not only the ultimate God, but he's the ultimate creator. Let's continue to worship. Give thanks to him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Give thanks to God. God who is God and the God who can do only what God can do. You see, these verses remind us that God is the God who can make something out of nothing. Give thanks to God who by understanding made the heavens and the earth. Give thanks to God who who put the stars in the skies, but not just giving thanks to the God who created, but to the God who cares about his creation. He not only put the stars in the sky, but he knows everyone by name. Give thanks to God for giving us life. Give thanks to God for giving us the sun and the moon to guide us by day, to guide us by night, to give us seasons to enjoy. This is the God we give thanks to. You see, the psalmist goes back to Genesis where we know that God spoke, it became, and he declared it good. Unfortunately, what we see today is nothing but a tainted version of what he made. But it's still through God's love, through His mercy, that He gives us the ability to taste His goodness. Now, some, they taste His goodness standing in awe of a colorful sunset, while others, they taste His goodness in the quiet and the calm and the cool of a a beautiful sunrise. But here's the thing that I want to say, is the Bible is very clear. We are not to be so busy. We're not to be so busy beyond belief. The Bible teaches, be still, know that he is God. It's in those quiet moments that we hear God and we also see God's wondrous creation. Give thanks to God who created the magnificent mountainsides. Give thanks to God for the beautiful beaches. And, and I would ask for an amen after this. Give thanks to God for the taste buds because he gives us the ability to enjoy that wonderful blend of vanilla ice cream and Oreo cookies. Amen. <laughs> Give thanks to God for creation. The ability to hear that beautiful sound of a newborn baby's cry or, or the, that naive laughter, that innocence in a toddler's laugh. Give thanks to God for our, our very existence, the ability to, to live and to laugh and to love and to, to experience the joys and some of the, the, the sorrows, the ups and downs of life, the abilities 
to pray with and for all the loved ones that he brings into our lives. That is who we give thanks to. Give thanks to God, for he is good and his creation is better. We're going to continue to worship as we go, starting in verse 10. We've already worshipped God, the ultimate, uh, ultimate God, God, the ultimate creator. But what you're going to see next is we're going to give thanks to God, the ultimate redeemer. Again, let's worship. Verse 10, give thanks to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to him who divided the Red Sea in two, for steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. Again, amen. Give thanks to the God who redeems. See, these verses remind us that God, he he cares for and he redeems those that are under oppression, that are bound by slavery, that that are under that oppressive hand. And, And remember, in these verses, we were reminded that Israel found themselves under the heavy hand of the Egyptians. But it was in their pain, in their suffering, that God heard their cries. Give thanks to God who's always paying attention. Give thanks to God whose whose mighty power prevails. We know that God has got a plan, and His plan is good. In fact, fact, give thanks to God whose Holy Spirit passed over those covered by the sacrificial blood of a lamb as He struck down the firstborn of Egypt. God has a plan to redeem His people. Give thanks to God for making a way to safety by parting the Red Sea, dividing the Red Sea, that word, is literally translated as cutting the Red Sea. He cut the Red Sea so they could walk through to safety on dry ground. Give thanks to God for protecting his people. He made the Red Sea collapse, engulfing the Egyptian army. That's the God we give thanks to. Give thanks to God for giving us the promise of of the promised land and leading them there. And give thanks to God for his enduring patience with an obstinate group of Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness. We give thanks to God because God has a plan, God is a redeemer, and God does not forget His children. The next stop along this journey of memory lane, the psalmist is going to take us to a next section where we're going to recognize, so we've given thanks to the ultimate God, the ultimate creator, the ultimate redeemer, but now we're going to give thanks to God, the ultimate warrior. Let's continue to worship. Verse 17, give thanks to Him who struck down great kings, For his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. For his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. For his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant. For his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Again, give thanks to God, the ultimate warrior. Give thanks to God who fights on our behalf. You see, unfortunately, there's kind of a movement in a lot of churches. Now, gratefully, it's not here in Redeemer. 
But there are a lot of churches that just seem to focus on one characteristic of God. It's the love of God. And now, don't get me wrong, the Bible is very clear that God is love. He's defined as love. But I think this passage, and there are so many other passages that can support this, that God, as much as He is love, He is equally just. God fights and strikes down those that, that defy Him or oppose His people. We see that God had a plan and He gave the promised land as, uh, to the Israelites. However, unfortunately, that promised land became invaded by people that were never meant to, to occupy that land. And so God, knowing that that group of people never should have been there in the first place, but those people, Sihon and Og, they were Amorite kings living in the land of Canaan. They defied God and they were Israel's enemies. So based on his promise, God struck them down. God fights to guarantee that his plan unfolds as he directs. God fights to make sure that his promises will always be fulfilled. What's interesting is God made that promise of, the, of that land to give to the Israelites. God fights to make sure that his promises in that land was given to the Israel, Israelites. Those folks could not conquer Sihon or Og or the Amorites on their own, so God fought on their behalf. So we give thanks to God, God who fights for us, but we not, we're also giving thanks to God who fights battles that we're not even aware of. There's a, a wonderful story, you may or may not be familiar with it, it's in, I think, 2 Kings, but the, the Syrian army went out to go fight Israel, and the focus, the two characters in particular, are Elisha and his servant. And it states that the Syrian king sent out just hordes of horses and chariots, and just this huge, vast army, and when the servant woke up and he looked around and he, he saw all that was around him, he was fearful, and he ran to Elisha, and he said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha, confident in God's promises, calmly said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And so Elisha prayed, and God responded, opened up the eyes of the servant. And when the servant looked up, I love the ending of the story, when the servant looked up, he saw hundreds of horses and chariots of fire that surrounded them all. That is our God. Our God fights battles that we're not even aware of. God fights on our behalf, and it's to this God that we give thanks. And here, on one of the last stops along this journey of memory lane, we've already given thanks to God, the ultimate God, the ultimate creator, the ultimate redeemer, the ultimate warrior, and then here we're going to give thanks to God, the ultimate father. Starting in verse 23, let's continue to worship. Give thanks, for it is He who remembered us in our low estate, for His steadfast love endures forever, and rescues us from our foes, for His steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His steadfast love endures forever. Again, amen. Give thanks to the Father, the ultimate Father. This, these verses here, it reminds us that God not only remembers us, but He rescues us and He replenishes us. This is the God that we give thanks to. 
God remembers us. That word remembered, it's an interesting word. It's, it's not just thinking about something, but it's actually bringing it to memory with an intimate feeling, a, a feeling that, that just of love, of pure love. He remembers us in our low estate. We fight battles all day long. We fight challenges. Life is going to throw challenges our way. We knew this. John, uh, John 17, 16, Jesus said, In this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We know that we are going to fight these battles. We're going to face these challenges. But God remembers us in those times. And on top of that, he rescues us from our enemies. Again, God fights on our behalf as we just saw. But on top of that, he also replenishes us. He not only gives us that, 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 that physical food, that wonderful blend, like I said, of vanilla ice cream and Oreo cookies, but he more importantly gives us spiritual food. He feeds us with the word of God. He gives us this food. Remember in the wilderness, God said, man does not live by bread alone, but on the very word of God. That's what he gives us. It's God, the ultimate father. And as I was studying this, I started thinking, you know, there may be a couple here that, that may think, I don't know if God's anything like my dad. I probably don't want much to do with him. And I get it. You know, your father, he, he, may, have, uh, he may have been absent. But the Word of God promises that God, our Father, will never leave us nor forsake us. Your, your father may have been physically abusive, but the Word of God teaches and promises that our God, the Father, He disciplines those He loves out of love. Your father may have been verbally abusive, but again, the Word of God teaches that our Father is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Your father may have created all sorts of tension and, and, and chaos in your home. But again, Scripture teaches that our father is a God that gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, on the other hand, you may have had a dad or a father that was a great example. You know, if that's the case, give thanks to God for giving you that blessing. But I would say continue to give thanks to God because he is infinitely better still. It is God, the ultimate father that we worship. It is God, the ultimate God, the ultimate creator, the ultimate redeemer, the ultimate warrior, the ultimate father. That's what these, this psalm is pointing out. But ultimately, this whole psalm has one primary truth to it, and it's this. Because God's love is steadfast and enduring, we also must be steadfast and enduring in giving him praise no matter the season. That's the truth that we face. And I don't know under what circumstances, again, that you, you all showed up here to worship today. Um, but ultimately, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, this is great. I enjoyed the worship for the last, you know, 30, 45 minutes. That's been fantastic. But what do I do come tomorrow? What do I do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? What do I do in the weeks to follow? How do I take this and I live this out in life today? Well, here's what I'll challenge you and say. Again, I don't know the circumstances that you came here, but I am confident saying this. We all fall into one of three categories. We are either uh, in the category where life is, is throwing us softballs and we're hitting home runs. You could have life be throwing you curveballs and you're striking out or you're simply just sitting in the stands watching the game. We all fall into one of those three categories. But here's the thing. If life is throwing you softballs and you're hitting home runs, the thing that you need to think about is you need to remember the God who is the God of all good gifts and give him thanks. 
If you're on top of the world, remember God for putting you there. Give him thanks for that. If you have won life's lottery, remember who gave you the ticket and give him thanks. If you're in in good health and you're just feeling great, remember who put the breath in your lungs and the beat in your heart and give him thanks. Or you could be in the other camp where life's throwing you curveballs and you're striking out. And I get that. But here's what I would say is when that's the case, reach out to the source of all good gifts, the source of strength, and give Him thanks. If if you find that your health is failing you, just reach out to God and give Him thanks because He is not only healer of the body, but He is the healer of the soul. If you find that life is is just, just, you're in the valley of the shadow of death, just remember and reach out to the greatest source of strength, knowing that He is with you. His rod and His staff, they comfort you. If you find that you're just burdened by chaos and, and just strife, again, reach to God and give Him thanks because He is a God that gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is literally a peace that just makes no sense. It is a peace that the world will never be able to offer, that nobody in your life will ever be able to offer, but God, He can and He will. If you find that you're part of his family, you're sitting in the stands watching the game. If that's the case, if that's you, then just recognize that God has a purpose-filled plan for you and give him thanks. If you're sitting in the stands, recognize that God has a plan to save you. He has saved you and give him thanks for that salvation. If you're sitting in the stands, just recognize that God has a plan for you. He has gifted you with fantastic gifts and give him thanks for those gifts. If you are sitting in the stands, Give him thanks because his plan is to put you into service, to be able to share the good news, to do the things that God has called you to do and not to do them because it's a burden, but to do them because it's a blessing. Give him thanks. And at the very end, if you're on the, just sitting in the stands watching the game, recognize that God has a future and he's given you a hope. That's who you give thanks to. Now, what's interesting is this psalm was written hundreds and hundreds of years, just multiple centuries before the birth of Christ. But if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you're familiar with the gospel, isn't this amazing that the psalmist just took us on a journey through the gospel? You see, God is the ultimate God. He has a plan. He's been around since eternity, uh, since before creation began. But yet God is the ultimate creator, as we already saw. You know, go back to Genesis with me. God spoke, it became, and he declared it good. In fact, um, you know, it was different with man, though. He didn't speak man into existence. No, he formed the man, and he fashioned the man, and he breathed the breath of life into him. And and in this, this midst of perfection, God says something's not right. He said, it's not right for man to be alone. So he took a rib from the man and he he fashioned the woman and he presented the woman as the perfect complement to the man. And here we see the first wedding, the first marriage. Just what a beautiful sight. In fact, it was so beautiful that, uh, that Adam sang a song in response. And God is so good, he, he, he set boundaries for them to provide and protect them. And he, and he gave them a choice. And he said, you can obey and live or you can disobey and die. And unfortunately, uh, just through history, we know the, the outcome. Adam stepped over those lines. 
The consequences were introduced. Sin was was applied, or the the death was applied, and uh, and it's not just the physical death that we experience today, but it was a spiritual death. That sin separates us from God, and and you have to understand that the condition you die in is the condition you stay in for eternity. In other words, if you die separated from God, you stay in that condition for eternity. It's a place called hell. But if you've been reconciled to God, we get to stay in that condition for eternity. It's a place called heaven. It's a beautiful condition. It's a beautiful promise. And the scriptures teach us, it's very clear, that the wages of sin is death. Unfortunately, your death, my death, it would never be a sufficient payment because our lives are riddled with sin. So the ultimate creator, he created all this for our good, but he is also the ultimate redeemer. He had a plan. God left the glories of heaven to come down to his creation to be beaten and mocked and be sent to the cross. He knew his future involved the cross before he ever spoke anything into existence, and yet he still spoke. God is good. But he's also the ultimate warrior because when he went to the cross, that was not the end. Three days later, he conquered death and he rose from the grave. And it's by faith that we place our our trust in Jesus Christ that salvation is given to us. And so we see the ultimate father. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are transferred from enemies of God to becoming children of God. God is our ultimate father. And I have to say, if you have not made that decision. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, I am confident today to tell you today is your day. The Holy Spirit is pulling you to him. I guarantee that. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, at the end of the service, we're going to have leaders in the back, and I would ask that you would listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Go back, find out more, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God. It's a wonderful picture of the gospel. It's the biggest, the best gift the universe will ever experience. But ultimately, it's a decision that we have to make to place our faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you have not done that, I am praying that you will. Now, 23andMe, Ancestry.com, it's all good. Um, They provide value, um, but what it does and the only thing it does is point you to the past. What we've seen here in Scripture and what we've worshipped through today is not just a a view of the past, but it's a beautiful picture and points us to the future. Remember, God has a plan for each and every one of us, but God has an ultimate plan for His creation. Again, this is a tainted version of what 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 He originally created, but what we are going to see in the future is God is going to come back again. He is going to reestablish heaven and earth, and His plan is to take those that are reconciled to Him and live eternally with them. And it is a land filled with milk and honey. It is a land where there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. And it's all praise to God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. We are grateful for your word that shows us who you are, but also shows us who we are apart from you. Father, God, you are good. It's hard for us to understand, Father, how how magnificent you are. You spoke the universe into existence. You hold the universe in your hand, but Lord, you're so intimate. You know 
very number of hair on my head, on the heads. You know the thoughts that run through our minds. Father, I don't understand, but I am so grateful, Lord, that you love us. You created us. You have a plan. Despite us walking away from you, you didn't walk away from us. You are good. Father, you are so good. You deserve so much more praise than we can ever offer. But yet, you delight in the little bit of praise that we can give you. Lord, I pray for those here that are their hearts. I pray that they're stirred. Holy Spirit, work in them. If somebody hasn't put their faith in you, Lord, I pray that you'll give them the courage to talk to somebody. Let today be their day of rebirth. Let your kingdom expand because of the the, the word that you offer us, Lord. Father, again, I am just so grateful for the opportunity to worship here with my brothers and sisters, for the encouragement, for what you're doing in us and in this church to impact this community and this nation and in this world. Let it all be to your glory. Let it all be for your praise. It's in Jesus' name we give you thanks and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that it's all lifted out.